You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Well, two weeks ago, we began a journey, a journey to see what it looks like to have a Christian home. What does it mean and what does it look like to have a Christian home? Now, last week we spent time talking to the ladies, to the wives, and today on Super Bowl Sunday, men, it's our day. <laughs> and some of you fellas are going, you spent about half the message last week talking to the men. I know. You know why? We need it. We need all the help we can get. Today, husbands, we get a double dose, I know that, but it's so needed because men, we're to be the leaders. And so often, we're not. We have chronicled and talked about the fact that we have a family problem in America. The, the home is broken, right? But I want to tell you, I believe the main reason the family is broken in America is because we've got a man problem. We are missing men who will lead. Let me show you some stats to back this up, and it starts when boys are young. I want you to see what's happening to our boys in America. I want you to see this by way of a study that was put out by the American Enterprise Institute. I want you to see the charts we're going to place up on the screens. Park your brain around these stats. See the red boxes. Now watch this. For every 100 girls in America, there are only 54 boys who take AP honors classes. For every 100 girls in America, only 63 boys earn an associate's degree. For every 100 girls in America, 154 boys repeat kindergarten. For every 100 girls in America, 207 double the girls are boys are classified as having a learning disability. For every 100 girls, triple, 291 boys are expelled from school, and 355 boys are classified as having emotional disturbances. Take a look at the last one. This is astounding. For every 100 now women, 1,333 men are incarcerated in federal prison. Yeah, we have a family problem in America. And the reason we do is we have a man problem in America. The, st the stats prove that men aren't leading in most of our homes today because one, either they're not there, or two, when they are there, they're missing in action. They're absent. Listen carefully. Boys in our day grow up now spending about 80% of their time with women. Many of whom, wonderful women. Absolutely wonderful. Mamas and grandmas and sisters and teachers and aunts, etc. But almost no male influence. Many boys grow up with almost no men in their lives. And what little the boys do see about men, they see portrayed in TV shows in the media, and the men are shown to be buffoons, morons, misogynists, or, via the video games, superior killers. Thus, boys don't know how to act 
and they end up becoming a statistic in our studies. Church, can I tell you what a lot of young men are doing today? Play. They just play. They seem to never grow up. <laughs> 35-year-old kidults. Somehow stuck in a never-ending cycle of adolescence. Life is a game. They might finally get married, even though many of these young men will push not to get married. Instead, they want to play at being married. These are men who most likely will never say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No, they will say, as for me and my house, we will play. When the going gets tough, play a video game. Let's not talk about any problems. Let's not have any serious conversations. Let's just play. And so the wives bear up under uh, the burden of the home. And they lead because the men either aren't there or are missing in action if they are there. And this leads us to our verse. Just one verse, men. Colossians 3.19, we had one verse last week for the wives. We'll have one verse next week for the children. Husbands, Colossians 3.19, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Folks, there's a lot packed in those 11 words in that one verse. Men were given two admonitions there. Number one, love. Number two, don't be harsh. Let that sink in. Love and don't be harsh. In fact, I, I, I could say it to you this way. Fellas, if we show love, then we're not going to be harsh. True? I want to show you the companion passage that we need to look at today. There's a, I told you last week we would be turning back there, and it's Ephesians 5. So make your way there. Just go back in your Bibles three or four or five pages. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. We saw last week as we talked to the wives in verses 22 through 24, and we're going to pick up in verse 25 in a moment. But you remember where we started. We started out in verse 20 when it talks about mutual submission as we work our way through verse 21. And we talked about what true love is. Love is sacrifice. For God so loved the world, He sacrificed, He gave. We saw last week that men and women are different. Now, the ground is level at the cross, right? But men and women are definitely different. God made us that way, equal but different. Now, here's the role of men. And we pick up and we see this in the context of love. We're talking about the first admonition is to love. So, let's see this, this companion passage to Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, there it is, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did He do for us? Gave Himself up for us. That's, He died that he might sanctify, that means to set apart, to make holy, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. And Jesus will do that once we're raptured off of this earth, and then it will be the marriage in heaven. Verse 28, in the meantime, verse 28, in the same way, husbands, 
should. See the word? Should. Love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. What do we see here? Love. Hey, fellas, do you ever take a shower? <laughs> Say, sure, but you know when you're a little boy, you hated that. Right? You took one on Saturday night whether you needed it or not, right? <laughs> Men, after you get out of the shower, or even before, I don't know, some guys shave before they get in the shower, some after. You look in the mirror, though, don't you? Because you start to get my age, and things start happening, like hair starts growing out of places that shouldn't be growing. Like your nose and your ears, and you get those little scissors and snip, 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 and you start checking yourself out, you know? Precisely. That's what the Scripture's teaching here. We're to do the same thing toward our wives. We, we inspect them. We, men, we are to be students of our wives. Just as we, we check out ourselves, we, I'm looking in the mirror and I go, what happened to you? You know, you got old. But you, you check yourself out. We are to be students of our wives. Think about this. Sir, in your job, you think about it a lot, don't you? Sure you do. Let's say you're a salesman. You're constantly thinking then about your market and how to get more market share and how to move that product. I do this in my job. I, I'm preparing messages a lot, but I'm, I'm also on my phone a lot. I'm calling people, texting people, and I, I think about it a lot. I'm constantly, how, how can I help that situation? How can I... And so I think about it a lot. We, that, that's what we do, guys. We, we, we think about it. I mean... I think about a lot of things, like, like uh, I used to coach basketball. Um, and let, let's say, sir, that you're uh, the coach of your son's Little League baseball team. You, you think about the roster, don't you? you? You look at the kids' skills, and let's say, who can hit the best? So who's going to be your one, two, three, and four hitter? Maybe you, the, the one hitter's the guy that can slap singles very good, and, but the, the, the four hitter's the power hitter. So you're like, I, his, let's say his name is Josh, so you're going to put Josh in the four slot. You think about it. Do we think about our wives like that? If you were to ask your wife, honey, do you feel that you're a priority in my life, what do you think she would say? You don't want me to ask that, do you? This is where the men start looking at the floor. I don't want to look at him anymore. I, I, I don't want him to come and ask my wife, does she feel that she's a priority in my life? Listen, fellas, remember I told you my story. I, I've lived this. I've lived this thinking I was all that. I was making six-figure income, and I was bringing home the bacon, right? I was blowing it in my house. You know who the leader of my home was 15 years ago? Her name is Pam. She carried that. And if you'd asked me if, who the leader was, I would have said I was. Sir, do you know what's going on in your wife's life? Do you talk to her? Do you ask her? This is something I had to learn in my own life. We need to ask her, honey, how you doing? Honey, how can I pray for you? Sir, is she a priority over work? Is she a priority over your hobbies? Over the kids' t-ball team? Over your leisure? 
we got to study our wives. What makes her tick? What motivates her? What makes her cry? What makes her laugh? What, what is her emotional and spiritual state? Have you asked her lately? Honey, how are you feeling? How you doing? How can I pray for you? Men, we've got to love like Jesus loved us. And how did Jesus love us? What did he do for the bride? He died. That's what Jesus did, fellas. He died for his bride. He gave himself up for her. Think about what Jesus did. I want you to take a look at the screens about the things that Jesus did for his bride. See the screens? See the bullet points he identified? with her needs and suffered all that she suffered. Jesus prayed for her. He prayed for us in the Garden of Gethsemane, John 17. He discipled her. He did that for three years. He served her and was willing to wash her feet. He did that in the upper room before he was arrested. Jesus is now preparing a place for us. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. We just sang about that. Jesus was beaten for his bride, scourged for his bride, pierced for his bride. Jesus died for his bride. Now, gentlemen, we are to be like Jesus, Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So, so what I've done is uh, we have on the screens now what a husband does for his wife. And, and so there's a blank there for, the, for, for these. And you can place your name there. And so for, for sake of doing that, I'll place my name there. And I'll mention my wife Pam's name. Kevin identifies with Pam's needs and Kevin suffers for her. Kevin prays for Pam. Kevin disciples Pam. Kevin serves Pam and is willing to wash her feet. That's figurative and it could be literal if need be. Kevin will never leave Pam or forsake her. Kevin would die for Pam. Husbands, I know this is a, this is a sobering message. But if someone were to ask your wife right now, how is your husband doing and caring for you? What would she say? No, 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 not, not what would you say. Because, fellas, we're always going to grade ourselves on a curve. We're always going to grade ourselves a little bit higher. Truth is, we kind of go to the least common denominator. We're going to compare ourselves to the biggest low life we can think of. And say, well, honey, you know, at least I ain't out running around on you, drinking and partying and carrying on. Really? Come on, man. That's what you want to do is drop it that low? I look across this room and I see men. I really do. I see men that I would go into battle with. Because I look at some of your faces and you're so strong, you would fight hell with a water pistol. But when it comes to being the spiritual leader of the home, we back away from that. To actually lead? To, in that list, pray for her? Sir, have you ever prayed out loud for your wife in her presence? And, and we're the Christian leaders. So often it's the lady that does the work. She does the praying. Well, I just ain't never been raised to do that. You know, my faith is private. Come on, man. Come on.
Come on! You talk about wanting to pull the sword and fight? Come on, get in the game. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because I wasn't doing it. And I looked at my little five foot seven inch wife, sweet as she can be, and she carried the whole deal. The whole deal. While I went out and made a bunch of money and brought it home and thought I was getting it all done because we went on nice vacations and had stuff. Kids had nice birthday parties. Ma'am, if you were to rate your marriage on a scale of one to ten, one being the pits and ten being the best, how would you rate your marriage? Sir, how would you rate it? Guess who rates it higher? The fellas will say, oh, it's a seven or an eight. And she'll go, no, it ain't. It's a five or a six. The ladies are smiling. The men are going, I wish you'd get over with this. I get it. <laughs> Believe me, I get it. Remember, I told you I went to the Bent Convention Center and heard this little pipsqueak telling all this stuff. And I'm like, it was actually the Holy Spirit that was using that, that man and the Lord got a hold of my heart. I had to apologize to my wife. When's the last time she heard you say I'm sorry? Do you ever apologize, sir? Are you ever wrong? Ever. Admit it. Say I'm sorry. There's such power in those words. The things I'm saying make grown men shiver in their shoes because what I'm talking about is spiritual leadership. Maybe it's <laughs> the fact that we're just too busy with our own stuff that we don't want to lead. Gentlemen, if we're going to truly love, if we're going to truly love our wives and be the spiritual leaders, then there's two primary things we're going to do. I want to show these to you on the screen. A husband who loves and leads will, number one, bear the weight of the home. And number two, he will initiate spiritual growth and discipline. Bear the weight of the home. What does that mean? Well, it's what we've been talking about. That's loving. That's Ephesians 5. That's men bearing the weight of the home. It's a, listen, you, you want to know, you, you want to know if you're actually bearing the weight of the home it will mean this, that your wife will look to you and you inform her. So often, ladies tell me they don't have a clue what's going on because he never talks to her. They have no idea. How frustrating is that to be in a job or at, at your workplace and you never seem to know what's going on because the boss or boss man, boss lady doesn't ever tell anybody anything and you're, you're just wondering, what is happening here? Isn't that frustrating? And it's frustrating in a home, too, to never know what he's thinking. Fellas, can I give you a little phrase that I learned a long time ago, and I'm trying to live this out now. I'm not doing it perfectly, I'm telling you. But I've got a little phrase, and it's this. Save some for home. Save some for home. Listen, it's easy for me as a pastor to pour out everything I'm telling you, it's easy just to, to give it all away. And then I come to my house and turn the doorknob to my home and I'm, I have nothing left. 
And then I get irritated and upset and frustrated because she's asking questions about my day. And I would never get that way with one of you. Save some for home. You know what? Your wife, sir, <laughs> she just wants to have a meaningful conversation with you. Not just the uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-uh. She wants to talk, and you go, I know, Lord, does she want to talk. It's got to be true. Women have twice the number of words that men do. I had a man say to me the other day, he said, yeah, for these ladies, their tongue is the sword, and she never lets hers get rusty. <laughs> I thought that women really did have more words than men. I really did, until I researched it. That's a misnomer. I didn't know that. According to a study that I looked up, there are several studies, but the one that I'm going to quote to you, it was uh, reported by the BBC. Men and women actually speak almost the same amount of words per day. Get a hold of this. According to the study reported by the BBC, the women tested uttered an average of 16,215 words per day, while the men uttered 15,669, a difference of only 500 words. Yes, ladies, you do have more words, but at a scale of 16,000, not that many more words than we do. You know what's different? It's the context in which the words are shared. Fellas, where do we primarily find our identity? At work. And guess where we use the majority of our words? At work or in our hobbies when we're with the fellas. And so when we get home and turn the doorknob to the house, we have nothing left. Ladies, not to say that you can't find some identity in your work, but typically ladies find their identity in the home, their family, their children. Think about this. Two men meet. Two men meet for the first time. What, what's the first thing they typically say? How you doing? Yeah, I'm Kevin. Hey, what do you do for a living? Right? What do the women do? First time they ever meet. Two women. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. My name's, yes. Do you have a family? Do you, do you have children? That, that's, and so the ladies, they're saving some for home. But the men get home and they're like, I'm out. So frustrating. So frustrating. The context matters. Men, we got to save some for home. Men, we're commanded to love our wives and that love means sacrifice. I have to remind myself of that. Sometimes I know I'm, I'm going to walk in the door and she's going to say, what's, what's the first thing she's going to say? How was your day? I don't want to relive it. <laughs> but she needs for me to. Because how is she going to be my helper if she has no clue what's going on? So I walk in my house and I'm, and I'm, and I'm prepared. I'm ready. And it's not like, it's not, it's not even a drudgery. It's that I actually enjoy trying to talk to my wife. Now, sometimes I'll say, give me 10 minutes, let me get my clothes off and get on some, you know, like more leisure clothes. Okay, don't, when we were, when we were young and had small kids, one of the things that used to drive me the craziest, and ladies, please hear my heart on this. If you've got an infant baby, don't be standing at the door when he walks in like this. 
Your turn. I'm out. Okay. It's true. Maybe you've been dealing with that all day. Let him come in the house. Let it, it's a whole different mindset, believe me. Let him change his clothes, okay? Give him 10 minutes to get the change out of his pockets, throw them in the dirty clothes, put on a t-shirt, pair of shorts, whatever, and then and he's ready to go. But when, when you, it's just like, it's over the top. Just, just 10 more minutes. I, I say to ladies all the time, I say, you, you, it's been all day, I know. 10 more minutes ain't gonna make or break it. But it, except for him, except for him. And so you're going to give him that opportunity. Men, can I ask you a question? Who initiates conversations in your home about future plans, about difficulties that need to be addressed? You want to know who's leading your home? The person who brings up these conversations. Who feels and owns the weight of the finances in your home? Refrigerator goes out, car breaks down, same week. Who brings it up? Honey, we got to talk about this. You or her? Who brings up the situation about the kids? Who figures it out? The answer will tell you who is bearing the weight of the home. It'll tell you who's leading. Sir, in your house, who sits down first? to rest. Most of the time it's the men. Don't you let her out serve you. Come on, man! You lead! And you say to her, baby, I got this. I, listen, listen, I got, you've been working, I've been working, look, I got this. Go sit down. Go, I'm going to finish putting these dishes up. She'll, she'll push back on it. Maybe you do them together. But don't you dare sit down before she does. And the lady sees that, and she sees her man do that, and she'll go, I'll follow him anywhere, because he loves me. He loves me. It's a powerful thing. Number two, a husband who loves and leads initiates spiritual growth and discipline. I told you two weeks ago we, we would return to Psalm 78, and we're probably going to return here again. Guys, you're going to love this. Next week is children, and then the following week is fathers. You're like, you're kidding. Nope, I don't write the mail. I just deliver it. Psalm 78, see the screens? Verse 5, he, this is God, established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which God commanded our fathers to teach to their children. It's a command. That the next generation might know them. What? The commands of God. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children. So it's multi-generational. Dads, we need to think about the grandkids. That your grandkids will talk about you and may have never even known you but for a few years of their life. It's multi-generational. Verse 7, so that they should set their hope in their education. Set their hope in their athletics. No. Set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. May that not be said of us, gentlemen. Sir, are you being faithful to God to teach the children in your home the commands of God? If you have kids in your home, maybe now it's your grandkids. That's our job, gentlemen. 
You say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. I get that. So let's look at the New Testament, shall we? The Old Testament's not negated. But let's look at the New Testament. Ephesians 6, 4. Just one verse. And I want to show you this verse. And I want you to see the word fathers. Did you know some Bible translations are now changing that word to say parents? That is not a faithful translation of the Greek. The Greek word that's used there has as its root pater, P-A-T-E-R. When you have a paternity test, what are you seeking to find out? Who the daddy is. The Greek word is fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger. Why? How? By telling them one thing and doing another. But you will bring them up how? What? You know what it is? In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Hey, Dad, when you close that deal with that guy and you walk out of his office feeling good about that and you're getting ready to get back in your car, your truck, do you ever think about what's going to go on at your house at about 6.30 in that evening? Do you ever think about how you can discipline and instruct in your home? Most men never think about it. Oh, they'll think about who's going to bat fourth. They'll think about the next sales job. Who's going to teach your kids? You say, she will. I get that. But you know who leads in that first? We do. We do. We just read it. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the men lead. But in most Christian homes, the men don't lead. What happened in my house? I'm just telling you. The finger I point at you, men, there's three pointing back at me. So I know you're feeling this message. I feel it with you. I'm reminded. This is not to be condemning here. This is to say, rise up. Be your best. I want that. Men feel that. We're just never challenged to rise up. We just play. Men, we need a mindset transformation. Guys, I'm not saying that you've got to have some 30-minute long devotion every night in your house. But we need to be thinking about how to teach and train our children. Do you ever think about that during the day? Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says this. See the screens, you. Now the word you here in verse 5 is a masculine personal pronoun. It's masculine. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you, masculine personal pronoun, today shall be on your heart, men. Men, verse 7, you masculine personal pronoun, you shall teach them what? The commands of God, how? Diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. But I get it. Most of us were never home. Most families are hardly ever home. That's a whole other issue. All right, let's just say that you're busy. You're hardly ever home at night between 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock. You're running from this thing to that thing. Okay, sir, think about it. After you closed the deal, you walked out feeling good about that. You think about, I got to pick her up at 7, pick him up at 8. By the time we get them home and get something in their belly and they get a bath, they're going to have to go to bed. So all I've got today is the 20-minute ride home. Use it. Use it. Think about it. I got 20 minutes. And you tell them when they get in the car. Pull the earbuds out. 
Okay, that's the new thing, right? The AirPods, okay? Maybe they're off. I get it. I, I can't stand it. My kids have got them. I'm like, when I'm talking to you, now, if I'm it's just a quick thing, it's whatever. But if I'm trying to have a conversation, they got those things stuck in their ears, that I, I can't understand. If they, I mean, it's just disrespectful, okay? And if you don't like that, sorry, build a bridge, get over it, okay? I'm just telling you, you pull those things out of your ears. I want to have a conversation with you, okay? And I want to make sure you're hearing me, all right? And I want you to know that Daddy loves you. Because you're going to hear this again in a couple of weeks, fellas. See, when your child is 25 years old and you've given them everything, you've done the best you can. We, we think that we've done a great job as men. I thought this because they've got to go to Disney and they've got to have stuff for, for Christmas and presents and all this stuff. And they had the right kind of clothes and the right gadgets and gizmos and all these things. But at the age of 25, none of that matters. What will matter is they might remember hearing you pray for them. Sir, can you pray out loud? If not, why not? If you can't pray out loud to where your child and your wife can hear you call their name to the Father, you got a problem. You got a man problem. Put your boots on and pull them up by the strap and be a man. Be a man. And the men who look at my face are hearing me say this when I was not doing this. And I say this, I have, I'm having courage today to say it to you because I didn't live it. And I needed to go all the way to Winston-Salem and hear a man in the Benton Convention Center say similar things to me. And while you may hate me for the next 20 minutes, you might be thanking me 20 years from now. It's time to be a man. Pull the sword. Fight. Satan hates your family. He hates your children. He hates your wife. Don't fall asleep on the job. I did. And dad, our kids will never be any stronger in the Lord than we are. Are you growing in the Lord? Don't expect them to be what you're not. That's exasperating. Men, we're called to be like Jesus. We give ourselves up for our brides, for our families. And we show her love by bearing the weight of the home and initiating spiritual growth. You know, you're still in Ephesians 5. Let me show you. You're still in Ephesians 5. Go down to verse 31 real quick. Watch this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. That's that becoming one flesh. This is a mystery, verse 32, and it's profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now watch verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she, what? The man's supposed to love his wife. We just read, and the woman loves her. No, it says respect. There's a difference there. Sometimes I ask men, I'll say, does your wife love you? He'll go, oh yeah, yeah. And then I'll say, does your wife respect you? And a lot of times he'll go, uh, and I have my answer. See, ladies, it's natural for you to love. But you're going to have a hard time respecting a man who is not leading, and all that's on you, and it's heavy. And you have to bear that. And it gets old. And there's a simmering fire that burns in the belly of a lady who, who looks at you and, and just wants to say, why won't you lead? You say you love me. 
Years ago when I taught this material in Ephesians 5, I shared Dr. Emerson Egrich's crazy cycle. Some of you may remember it. See it on the screens? Watch this. Start at the top. Without love, a wife is going to react without respect. At the bottom. And in return, left side, he reacts without love. So he doesn't show love and she doesn't show respect. And this is the crazy cycle. It just never ends until something happens, until the man dies, until the man leads. Now watch this next one. You can get off the crazy cycle and get on the energizing cycle. The husband gives himself up. He shows leadership. The man leads. And then we're at the top. He shows love. That motivates her to show respect. And then that motivates him to love. Men, we lead. We go first. Too many men are waiting for the ladies to lead on this. We die to ourselves. We show love first, just like Jesus did, and we break the crazy cycle. <laughs> but some of the men, you say, well, the problem is, yeah, we got a wall between us, and it's 80% hers. Okay, sir. Then own up for the 20% that's yours. What, what are, you, are you innocent in this thing? Are you guiltless? You say, I'm sorry. Maybe it is 80% her deal. Maybe it's some sort of emotional crisis she's going through. And you just look at her and you say, well, just suck it up, honey. No! You say, honey, how can I help? How can I pray? And you own up to whatever percentage. And don't say to her, well, I've owned up to my 20%. You're 80% of the problem. That's not showing love. Women today aren't submitting to their husbands because they don't feel loved. And I'm telling you, a wife will never submit to a man she doesn't respect, and she won't respect a man if she does not feel loved, period. Go back to Colossians 3.19. Let's wrap this up. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. What, what does that mean? That's the second admonition. Do not be harsh with them. The word harsh there means harshness of temper, to exasperate, to irritate, to be bitter. It emphasizes an attitude of resentment. It, it literally could be said this way. Don't call her honey and act like vinegar. I'm convinced there are a lot of husbands running around shouting insults at their wives, being harsh with them, frustrating them, while at the same time they're shouting, I'm the head of the home, and they beat their chest. Problem is, sir, you're the only person you've convinced of that. Nobody else in your house believes that, because you're all taught. Again, I tell you this by way of personal example. Fellas, we cannot lead and show love with a club of harshness. Men, do you know what the Bible says about being harsh with our wives? You know what the Bible says about what it will do to our prayer life? Can I show this to you real quickly? 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands. See it? 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, not weaker in mind, just this is physical stature we're talking about here. This is muscle strength, you know, typically height and strength, right? Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So, heirs with you. This means that the ground is level at the cross. And we do all this so that our prayers may not be hindered. I'm telling you, there have been so many times in my life where my prayers never made it past the ceiling because I was being a jerk to Pam. And I don't know what it is about Sundays, but it seems like the jerk comes out at me of me on Sundays. 
I can't tell you how many times, Pam a lot of times comes to the first service, second service, she's sitting over there and I've had to reach over to her and say, baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been a jerk. And I apologize. I'm sorry. Two words, so powerful. You say, well, pastor, the problem is my wife's the jerk. Sir, I'll tell you again, when you start saying things like that, you have just re-entered the crazy cycle. See, it doesn't matter if she's being a jerk and not showing you respect. You show her love. Because without love, she reacts without respect. And it's the crazy cycle. But see, see the energizing cycle? See it one last time. See this? Sir, switch cycles. Show her love. Give yourself up for her. You'll meet this guy to do this sales job at the end of the earth. You'll turn over heaven and earth to make this work. But will you turn over heaven and earth for her or just take her for granted? Show her love. So what does a Christian home look like? It's a home where Colossians 3.19 is true. See it one last time, men. See it, husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. I closed today with something I shared a while back, but it came to mind again. Last year, we had a health scare with Pam, my wife. I found myself driving to Winston-Salem at 2.30 a.m. following an ambulance headed to Forsyth Hospital, wondering about whether or not Pam would survive. I was so afraid she was going to die. I found myself driving by Joe's Landscaping and Nursery there on Highway 421. You ever seen the sign? I was driving by that sign very quickly. As in I was doing, well I won't tell you how fast I was going. And the Lord comforted me right there at that sign. He spoke into my spirit and he said, Kevin, she's going to be fine. Oh, the relief that came to my heart and my soul. It was unexplainable peace that passes all understanding. You know, every time I drive by that sign, I'm so thankful. And if she's with me, I mention it to her. Oftentimes when she's with me, the kids are in the back, and I reach over and I grab her hand, and I'll say, Joe's landscaping in nursery, and I'll kiss her hand, and the kids in the back go, gross, come on. <laughs> but deep down, I look in that rearview mirror, and they love it to see their daddy loving on their mama. You see, I'm training my children. I'm training my son how to love his wife, and I'm training my daughter how that she should be loved by a husband. Sir, what would you do without her if she died today? I don't mean to be morbid. I'm not trying to cause pain or grief. Some have maybe lost a spouse here. Some may be watching now. I'm not trying. I'm just talking about the men who are here, those who are watching on Mount Pleasant anywhere. What if you lost her today? What if she died today? Something terrible happened. I hope it doesn't. But if it does, how would you feel? But you haven't lost her. She's here. She's right beside you. Maybe she's at work. You'll see her in a little while. Hug her. Say, oh, honey, thank you for all that you do. Men, isn't it time that we lead? Isn't it time 
we pull the sword and fight for our wives, for our sons and our daughters, as Nehemiah said. Shouldn't we cherish our wives just as Jesus does the church? Men, isn't it time to wreck the statistics? You know what we need to do? We need to listen to what the Lord's impressing on our hearts and change things. Come together this week and say, if you've got kids in the home, have a little family huddle and say, look, all right, this is dad talking. I've not been leading. Your mom's had to carry the weight. Own up to it. And then say, but look, I'm not even sure I know how to do this. So your mom's going to help me. No, yeah, Adam and Eve, help her. Okay. God knew what he was doing. And I'm going to seek to lead. And dad, get up courage. And just pray for your family. Maybe you've never prayed out loud in front of them. Watch what happens when you do that. You watch what happens. You open your eyes and there'll be tears on every cheek. Because there's strength and power in that. That's a man being a man. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.